Welcome to this week's episode of Relaunch My Life Radio with Brendan Giebel, the owner of Advanced Men's Development and author of The Modern Man's Code. Brendan is a men's coach, trainer, and author, and after a seven-year journey from being just a few seconds away from ending it all, he made a decision that he wasn't going to give up on his life this easily. He has studied with us as a master practitioner of NLP, timeline therapy, and hypnotherapy, and he's helped many people worldwide. His mission is to change the definition of a man one by one, and then as a collective of men. This is a really heartfelt interview. Brendan is a very deep thinker, and I know that you will get a lot from this. As we do mention suicide in this episode, please click the show notes if you need any support. I've put the links for Lifeline, Beyond Blue, and also our coaching graduate directory on the episode notes. Welcome to Relaunch My Life Radio. I'm your host, Juliet Lever, and a few years ago, I personally relaunched my own life from being a workaholic, alcoholic, and chocoholic to now living a life of my own design. I'm on a mission to free you from an unfulfilling job or passionless life. And so with 10-minute tips and 30-minute interviews and stories to tune into, Tune in to Relaunch My Life Radio to discover your highest potential and feel inspired to live a life of zero regrets. If you want more, be sure to hit subscribe and visit us at www.relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. Well, I'm so excited to be sitting down and having this conversation today with the incredible Brendan Giebel. He is the Uh, author of The Modern Man's Code, and I'm really excited to have this conversation and really pick your brain about your vision for men's work. How are you today, Brendan? I'm very well, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So for people who haven't met you before or heard about your journey or your story, can you paint a bit of a picture of who you are and what you do in the world right now and then I want to dive a little bit into how you have changed your life so what are you about what's your vision and what are you doing in the world today yeah so becoming a coach really was only over the last 12 18 months I suppose but before then I worked in construction um, as a civil supervisor on a a range of big bridge projects and that kind of thing Um, and it wasn't really anything that I had in mind to become a coach. Like it was just kind of a journey that I went on to fix myself and one thing led to another and I became a coach and here I am now. And it's kind of funny that I didn't plan anything like that to happen and it didn't happen. But now that I'm in it, it's like these visions of where I want to take it. And it's, I've kind of just like fully taken it on board and it's like, this is me. This is what I do now is to help men and, and change Australia for the better with the men in mind. So your book is called The Modern Man's Code and you talk about living life as a superior man. So that vision that you have for men and, and the work that you're doing, describe a bit about what that actually means, to live your life as a superior man. What does that mean to you? It means to be a man that you superior not so much as superior as in better than anyone else but superior to yourself like you are the superior that you can be to everyone around you um like some people might interpret that as being superior as in top of anyone else but it's internally be the best man superior person that you can 
And when you do that, you impact the lives of everyone else around you. And doing that, you then bring everyone else up to your level. So it's like you are being and living superior and everyone else is following you. Yeah. And I guess that's a really unique thing for everyone to sort of find on their own journey. Why do you think that that is a struggle or what do you see happening in masculinity and in men and and why that is a challenge these days? Um, I'd say there's really three big problems or, or issues that I think men are facing really. And the first is a lack of role, lack of role models. Like with the men that I work with, not one of them has ever said that their father is their biggest role model or even has even mentioned that. And then also with their role models, like I ask them who was their role models growing up and not many of them really had any. And a man, one of his roles is to be, for his son to look up to of a man that who he wants to be and for his daughters to look up to and say, that's who I want to have in a partner, eventually those kind of traits and qualities. So with all these broken families and everything that's, that's happening and it's just the way, kind of the way it is, if something doesn't change, it's going to keep going like that. So I feel like that's the first or, or like one of the, one of the big problems. And the second one um, kind of follows along with that, a little bit is that growing up in these broken families, they are quickly to be the, you know, rule the roost, I suppose, or they're like, if they're living with their mothers, mostly they then become um, at early teenagers, they know that they can overpower their mum or whatever. So they get whatever they want and this and that. So life comes easy. And then you throw in, you know, all the apps, Tinder, um, food apps, movie apps, and all of these things just come so easy. So then when men go into the real world and then have face challenges, you know, like breakups or um, not getting jobs or this whole COVID situation, they don't really know how to deal with challenges properly because they've had it too easy growing up, if that kind of makes sense. And then the third one too is like a lack of identity, you know, an unknown identity because on one hand, and I know for myself too, we're still taught the old school masculine norms of be a provider, protector and a producer, be the copa, you know, being the rock kind of thing. But on the other hand, now everyone's saying it's okay to be weak, it's okay to speak, it's okay to ask for help and all this kind of thing. So how can you be a rock but then still be vulnerable, you know? And it's just like a confusion that those three things combined it's like I don't blame people for or men for being in the spot they are because there's it's like it's just like a confusion, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. And I actually believe that those three issues that you just discussed are exactly why I wanted to focus on Men's Month this month because I wanted to shine a light on, well, obviously in my experience, I don't know what it's like to be a man and have the struggles and the challenges that are being faced, but I do have loved, you know, I've got a brother, I've got my beautiful partner, Paul, and we have so many men in our community. And yet, on a broader scale, I don't know in humanity as a whole what are the big issues. And I definitely think that the, the the resilience factor, the second point that you mentioned, you know, the 
the way that our life is set up so that things are just really easy and then the moment something's challenging, we crumble or don't know how to handle it. I definitely think that is a a big issue regardless of gender. Um, But the identity I completely also resonate with you know this it's almost like a a double bind or a confusing message that men are being told oh well you have to still be all these things but you also have to be this as well and it is almost like a paradox and how on earth do you show up consistently which is really that that masculine energy is like that consistency of of that's that strength of showing up day in day out that's that real you know strong masculine how do you do that if you're being told on the one hand i'll be weak and vulnerable but on the other hand be this provider and be this rock so i think those three issues are really important and you know i can imagine it would be really challenging especially i think if you add the added element of it not being seen as I don't know, this is again a bit old fashioned, but it not being seen as normal or or strong to ask for help or to talk about these challenges. And that's really why I want to discuss this with you and with all of the experts that I'm talking to this month is, you know, well, what are the struggles that men are facing and how can we better support them? Because just like I talked about when I started this month, you know, the male suicide rates are three to four times higher than female in Australia. And yeah. And I think that the, the issues that you've talked about, if we're not talking about them, then we can't, you know, help people feel heard and seen. And I think that's really what all humans want, regardless of whether they're male or female. And, and I really want to create that. So when you talked about when you've spoken to your clients about the fact that they have a lack of role models, how is that something that you personally have overcome? And, and maybe how have you overcome all of the three big issues that you've recognised yeah, so I, I kind of did have a few. I was lucky enough to go to an all-boys school, which had a lot of male teachers, so I kind of did have a few role models. Mm. Um, but it's they weren't really, didn't play a massive role in my life. Um, but the how, how I overcome them, really, like I'd say it down, I'd put it down to, say, four critical shifts that kind of happened for me. Um, the first one was a decision. So about going back about seven years ago now, uh, there was a time in my life when it was nearly time for me to say it's, it's over. And there was a little voice inside of me that said, are you really going to give up that easy? And I don't know where this voice come from, but me being stubborn, <laughs> you can thank my father for that. Mm-hmm. I said no. And from that day, like I made the decision that I did, I want better for my life, you know, and it wasn't a, half-hearted decision it was like I want better for my life and I think that's the first step if anyone wants change it's like just to make the decision and it's a proper decision and then the tools and the people and the help and the resources and everything will come to you once you first make that decision um so that was the first thing that kind of happened for me um and then the second one was I kind of started doing a lot of reading, a lot of books, went to online courses, doing anything and everything that I could to try and fix myself. You know, I flew overseas for events and, and everything. And I kept looking at what I wanted to have in my life. And I was like, what do I have to do to have those things? And it wasn't until I don't, I don't know the, the exact time that this happened, but instead of me being like looking at what I had to do to have those things I was like who do I have to be 
to have those things. And it's a small little shift, but it made a massive difference. So I was just set on being that person. And then whatever comes from that is what I'm going to have. You know, if that, if, if I do the things to be the person rather than do the things to have the things, um, it was, it, it kind of changed massive for me. And then the third one was kind of around the, the, the same time is instead of looking for all these other things that I had to do to essentially kind of quotation marks fix myself, I knew that all of this stuff that I've been learning, all of this, all of the things that I did, um, like I studied for years, you know, ancient philosophies like the Tao Te Ching, the Gita and all those kind of things as well. And so instead of looking for anything else, I was like, I've got everything that I need inside me. Instead of looking for external things, I just went within, you know, and that's the, that's the third thing that kind of happened. And that's where really it started to, to shift. This was going probably two, two and a half years ago. And this is where the contents of that book kind of formed and, and we're starting to, to um, really take shape. And, and people then were starting noticing like, what are you, and they're asking me, what are you doing? Um, and then the third, uh, so the last one I is obviously finding NLP, timeline therapy and hypnotherapy. And those things just like was, they were like the final straw that, that just kind of like skyrocketed. So that's how the, the four things that kind of, I got over that. Um, yeah, if that answered your question. I love that. And I think the the second step, really that shift, I agree with like making a decision can completely change your destiny. And that moment of decision is so powerful. I would love to pick your brain about well, what are what are some of the things, and I know you talk about this in your book, but what are some of the things that you do that help you to be the, the person that you want to be that then attracts the things in your life? What are some of those sort of rituals or processes or things that you do? Yeah, so if we go to the part two of the book, um, it's called The Daily Eight. It's like eight daily simple but effective tasks and most of them probably are well-known. Or, But if you do them for one day, they don't, you know, you might get a little bit of a difference or whatever, but you do them for a week and you start getting some more energy, start feeling better. But when you start combining them together for months and years, that's when it really starts to take effect. And that's when it really starts um, like just transforming who you are. And so the, and if, if we go back to, I call it, it's winning impossible games. So it, I think Tony Robbins said, we underestimate what we get done in 10 years but overestimate what we get done in one year. But most people say what they want to do in one year, but that it's it's not really much more than a New Year's resolution, you know, like they don't come back and they might just say, oh, I'm going to have this target for the quarter or that's the thing I need to meet. But to win impossible games is you come back and you have monthly and quarterly benchmarks, weekly targets and daily targets. And then so that goal of seeming of in 12 months time, you know, works backwards. It's like making a million dollars. It looks like a big goal in 12 months, but if you break it down, I think it's about 80, 80, 85, something like that thousand per month, two and a half grand a day or something. If you focus on that two and a half grand every day, and then that million dollars, so-called impossible, 
becomes possible because of that you break that down so how i implement it and how those tasks help me is is that exact thing you know it's the small little things that you do daily that then don't look like much at the start but then they kind of combine on each other and then before you know it you know once you start being consistent and doing them for weeks and months and years that's when it starts to starts to starts to shift you know and my birthday was only a couple of weeks ago and something prompted me to think where I was 12 months ago and I look back then and from doing these things and winning impossible games like the things how far I've come in just 12 months from doing those things is like even I was a bit shocked about how much I'd actually got done so it, it's it's simple little things that you but staying consistent like consistency is key obviously we hear that all the time and so it's those staying consistent and doing the things because if you my understanding of if you do if you want things in life you've got to kind of work for them and if you have an easy life you'll end up with a hard life but if you do the thing if you do hard things in life you'll end up with an easy life and that's kind of something that i live by it's like if i do the hard things now my life's going to be easy and it is like my life even though there's there's problems always problems and there's everything but the problems i was facing where my life was hard where i wasn't doing the hard things compared to now is changed completely yeah, I definitely like one of my favorite quotes is that the easy road gets harder, but the hard road gets easier. And that is just so true. And I think if if people can, you know, take a bit of, uh, you know, I don't know if we want an easy life either, because then what? <laughs> then, then we probably seek the next challenge. And as you said, you know, you keep bringing yourself challenges, but they're better quality challenges as well mm. that you bring to yourself. So my question to you then is to the listener that maybe is feeling stuck or maybe the listener that has a man in their life that they see is like a little bit stuck or in a bit of a rut or something like that, what would be sort of a shift or a suggestion that you would you would make for them to start sort of shifting things into a different direction? What advice would you have for someone feeling really stuck? Um, first, obviously, make a decision that, you want better um, and the things will kind of come into there but for someone it's it's hard to push something onto someone like as you know they need to want to do something about it you can't just push something onto them and then expect them to take it on board but if they're feeling lost themselves um, like the the best thing that I kind of did was I'd call it now YTD will think discover is just spend 20 minutes, no phone, no music, nothing. At the first thing in the morning, get up and just walk and ask yourself two questions. Who, are, who am I and where do I want to go? And you just keep asking those two questions of yourself for 20 minutes straight. And after about 10, 13 minutes, you'll start getting clear on who you are, you know, and where you want to go because not many people have that time and set that time apart where they can just think and just be with themselves and, and nothing else. Like we live in a world where there's technology everywhere. It's so go, go, go. So, and doing that in itself then gives you some direction of where you want to go or who you want to be or, or, you know, what even might you be struggling with. Um, so if you're lost already, 
or someone's lost already, if you know that someone's lost, um, it can be hard to kind of say, go, just go walk for 20 minutes and do whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it comes back, obviously it comes back to the decision and making a decision and saying, I demand better. And then the things will kind of come into your life after that. I really love the fact that you pre-framed that it's usually only until about the 12 or 13 minute mark that you start getting the answers. And I think you're right, like with our go, go, go culture, it's really easy to just sit here for a moment and a second and think about, oh, well, who am I and where do I want to go? And to just deflect and say, oh, I don't know, and then get distracted. But to Mm. actually switch everything off and say, I'm going to be here for this 20 minutes and, and observe what then bubbles up in your thought processes and in your feelings. I think that that is some really, yeah, really great advice for people to give themselves that space of not knowing in order to be able to sort of sift through things and, and let things bubble up. So, so one of the quotes that I read in your book was by Lao Tzu and you wrote, when I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. And I'd love to know why that quote resonates for you and, and what that really means to you. Um, it comes back to a word, surrender. This word, like, surrender for me, like, you, you would have had to kill me before I would have surrendered. Like, I had a just a big block around that word. And I think it comes back to, the, to what I was growing up with, you know, it's, it's not unmanly to surrender. So... I can remember a time when I first heard this word and I was like, no, I'm not surrendering. And it's probably helped me and served me a purpose in that time when six or seven years ago, when I told you about when it was nearly all over for me, it probably served me then, but it wasn't until a few years later that I heard it again when I was at a pretty low point as well. And so I did, and I just went within and then, that's when it kind of changed for me, you know, and when you just let go and understand that stop trying to fight anything, stop trying to control the things around you and just let and just like stop and just see what there because it's there to teach you something, you know, surrender and let that teach you. And that's kind of where that, why that quote resonated with me in that time. Mm, and you've really had to surrender you've surrendered I suppose even your identity of who you were and your career how has that transition been for you received in the people that maybe you used to work with or even your friends and family from working in construction which you know is a very masculine industry to now working as a coach how how have you found navigating that transition yeah at first I kind of knew what I was where I was going and I was still working in construction, but I didn't say anything. Like people would always, when I was writing the book, I was working 12-hour days, six days a week, and then I was coming home and writing 2,000 words. And everyone was kind of asking me, like, what do you do? Like they were asking me to, if we wanted to go have dinner or do whatever. And I so I just kind of kept it quiet because I was like, I, I don't know how people are going to take this. Um, but then when I started, it, there was a lot of, uh, like people saying who are you to do this and the funny thing was like I'd already gone through that internal battle myself six 12 months ago so yeah I already had the answers of who that was um, and why I am someone to do that 
so I just kind of blocked it out to be honest and like some of my friends did I I kind of lost contact with them a little bit over it um but now that I'm here and I've come so far that I have and and it's kind they've kind of just accepted it and I suppose they've they've seen people around um and they've seen the people that I've helped and and this and that so they're kind of all coming on board but um, and it's it's the old saying, it's like your mother's your favourite, your best supporter, and, and she is. Like I know if I was ever kind of struggling or, or whatever, she would be the one that would always be like, you've got this, like it's fine, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, I'm so grateful to have to have her in my family. But I think the probably the biggest resistance, to be honest, was my father. Like I just felt, I don't know whether he did or not, but I just felt like he was I was it's probably all my own stuff at the time but yeah I just thought he was the biggest person that I we didn't talk about it we didn't say anything that was going on um for a while there because I didn't I didn't know how he was going to take it but that wasn't that he didn't approve or didn't do anything but yeah that was probably the biggest thing for me um but now that it's kind of gone through now and coming out of construction, like all of my friends at work, they're always they're like fully supporting me for everything that I'm doing and think that I'm doing a good cause and everything. So it was like that first initial few months. Um, but, yeah, I did keep it a, a secret for a few, a good few months when I first kind of started out. Mm, and then now you're out, out and about. And so yeah. if people are listening to this and they're, you know, resonating with your message and feeling like they want to connect with you or connect maybe someone in their life to work with you, talk a little bit about your coaching programs and, and what you offer for people who are wanting to take that next step. How can people work with you? Yeah, so I run two programs, um, a 13-week program and a six-month program. Um, and we kind of combine elements of the code, I suppose, the, the modern man's code, um, as well as the kind of getting out your own way first. Um, so it kind of goes in two phases, you know, cleaning up and getting your mind clear and crisp and then start implementing the things within the code um, and within the things that are going to help you to get to where you want to go. And then right at the end, we add in some techniques about winning impossible games and something that I've called reverse manufactured production, which is just kind of a fancy name for reverse engineering. But so it kind of goes through all of those, those different stages. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much the, the two different programs that I'm offering at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think so many people too, if they do try and, help help and try and you know fix themselves they they've got so much congestion in their head already and then they start doing affirmations meditation reading books doing all these things which are all great i do them as, as but when your con- mind is already congested and you keep trying to put more stuff in there like it it just it's it's not going to really help you as much so the first step is to clear all that congestion and everything that's going out and then we start installing the new things and the new beliefs and the new um habits i suppose um in that second phase yeah it's 10 times faster with a coach for sure because i think with your own 
mindset and your own thinking, it's really hard to do that clearing out on your own. And you can have a good light bulb from reading something and a good realization, but the difference between having someone that can help you see your blind spots and then clear out those beliefs. I have often said, if you're trying to do say a guided meditation, but you've got that congestion, it's like trying to pour water on a glass that's already full of water. It's just going to spill over the edge. So you need to empty that water first so that you can receive the new programs and the new you know suggestions as in affirmations and everything well yeah i think those two those two coaching packages that you offer as well what when you were talking about them to me they sounded like almost like what is missing in society a bit for men i think which is those like rites of passage that some tribes had and even some tribes still have today where you know when a boy becomes a teenager he has to I don't know, jump off a cliff with a rope around his ankle or something to prove his strength and masculinity. And we don't have those. And so I see the rites of passage in our culture is getting drunk and, you know, speeding your car when you get your license. And that's not really, it's not really the same, but like you've said, because there aren't those role models, it's really, it's, it's, I would imagine it would be really challenging. And I think whether we're male or female or as people are even exploring different things, non-binary and all sorts, you know, non-gender specific these days, I think there is a lot of confusion about the the roles that we're playing in society. And I think the most powerful thing that you said was that step three in your four critical shifts is, is to really go within and stop trying to get the answers external and start really answering those questions that you suggested about, you know, those tough questions of, well, who am I? And who do I want to be in order to go where I want to go? And so I think you've shared so many nuggets of wisdom and a really nice introduction to your world. And I have to say, um, like the really like knowledgeable and yet very humble way that you articulate everything, I think is very refreshing. And you're embodying that balanced masculine that you're not, you know, arrogant and like, go, 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 look at me. It's your transformation and your message and who you're being is what is attracting the people to you in a very natural and organic way. So I would obviously definitely recommend people to reach out to you and and work with you. I will pop the links to Brendan's website and also the links to get his book, The Modern Man's Code, if you want to have a good read. And uh, is there any sort of last advice? One thing I would love to ask you is, okay, so what is your vision for in the past, men's work has been something that has been a little bit uh, judged or it's it's been something that hasn't had as much societal acceptance. So what's your vision for the future and men's work? Mm. Well, obviously, like, something's still not working, that there's the men still killing themselves. Um, and this, it's like, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to speak. It's, it's like... We can just keep saying that and keep doing that, but something's not quite working there. And I've run so many different surveys on Facebook groups and all these kind of things. And one particular one, which had a group of 20,000 men in it, is I asked, like, who would go see therapy? And if they would, did it work, this and that? 50% of them said that they would. And of those 50%, only 25% of them said it worked and they would go back. So 25, so that's wow. like, there's a stigma there that it doesn't matter. They don't work. Mm. So, and I don't, I don't know what everyone else does. I don't know who else, who people are seeing and everything, but there's that stigma there still that it doesn't work. 
Um, so I think that's something that will come over time with people, you know, getting the help that they need. And also I think the, the difference too is like you see people that, um, like for example, you've got personal trainers that don't look like they've ever stepped in the gym. You've got psychiatrists and psychologists that are drinking every night. You've got therapies, uh, physiotherapies that physiotherapists that you know have got problems doctors aren't all that healthy so they're not really practicing what they preach and i think the way that men need is they need leaders and they need people to see and role models to look up to who are practicing what they preach and who are someone to look up to and who they can inspire to and i think that's the thing that's going to change and that's the thing that's going to really move the needle for them you know is seeing those role models seeing those people that they can model that they can see what it actually is like you know rather than going to some therapist or whatever who's got at 59 minutes they're going to say oh right we've got to go now and then that's all they see them like that's all right in theory and it it might help in some such situations but they really need someone that they can look up to that they can follow that they can know that they're going to get the support that they need from them until they get over whatever is going on for them. So I think that's like something that needs to happen. I think that's the, the, the missing link there. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and I think that's why we've seen the rise of the coaching industry in the last five to 10 years, because people do want people who have been through their own darkness and can say, okay, I get where you're at and I know you can get through this too. And it's not a theory or a concept. It's actually a lived and breathed experience. And being that able to also say that you've had that turning point where you made that decision of, well, am I really going to give up that easily? And then turning your life around and dedicating yourself to what you're doing now. And I think you're right. Like having those leaders who are walking their walk, talking their talk, but also that aren't portraying this unrealistic expectation of perfection that I think is also very unhealthy because it gives people this expectation that there's this perfect one-sided human that just has all positive traits and elements and 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 then that creates a bit of an imbalance as well so I definitely think you know that sharing these things that are working and also living your life authentically and, and sharing the struggles that you know, as you said at the start of this interview, you still have challenges, you still have problems, but they're such different light years away from maybe the challenges that you faced several years ago. And I think that's what's really inspiring. And I think that's going to make a big impact on the world as well. So thank you. I really admire the work that you're doing. I love everything that you're putting out in the world. And I really, I, I believe in your vision and I can see you continuing to do incredible work with people. And so if people do want to reach out to you, they can obviously follow you on social. I'll put all your links to socials as well and the links to find out more about your programs and your book. Any last pieces of advice for people listening, anything you'd like to close with? Um, I'd say like there's there's that many different things around there's there's that many um, like confusion that you can go do this or you can go do that Um, I think it's just like pick something that you want or something that you 
some goal or some aspiration that you want to go to and just follow that and just keep going until you get there. Um, and it's just kind of, the, you know, and, and get the help that you need if you need help, whether it's, you know, a coach or whether it's some other thing. Um, and it's not necessarily if you're struggling with things, but you just want to get somewhere, find someone that's helped you or that's got themselves there that can help you there. You know, like it took me six or seven years to, to do it on my own because I was struggling to, because I didn't really want to help. I didn't think I needed it. I th thought I was going to be weak. So, but, you know, if I got help, it would have taken months rather than years. So I think that's, that's probably my one bit of advice is like find someone that's, that's done what you want to do or someone that can help you to get where you want to go. Um, and whether it's, you know, in business or whether it's career, whether it's whatever, just, just find someone that can help you because that's the ultimate shortcut. Yeah. Choose something and go for it rather than sit in indecision and overwhelm and which yeah. is the right thing. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I think that that's really important just to start. And I think as well, once you start, you can sort of follow the, follow the path that that leads you on as well so yeah beautiful beautiful advice thank you so much for sharing your vision and your story with us as well and tons of tips as well i love all of the tips and steps that you shared with us so thank you so much for your time today brendan and i definitely recommend to our listeners to check this out and please if you know someone in your life who would benefit from this message please share this episode with them as well thanks a lot brendan no worries thanks for having me that's this week's episode from Relaunch My Life Radio, live from Australia. Visit us at relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. And remember, it's never too late to relaunch your life.